Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, sometimes I like to let everybody know, let everybody know this. Um, people that are new or maybe visiting, you guys may not know this, but uh, you notice we didn't pass an offering plate. We don't pass an offering plate here. We really trust God. We don't want, uh, we don't want to guilt you into giving. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that about 70% of our people actually give online. And so it's kind of awkward to have a plate come by when you're like, I mean, you just want to stand up and say, Hello, I gave online. I, I, I stepped into the, I've got an app here. I gave online. So we don't pass an offering plate. We don't want to guilt you into that. The scripture says that you should be a cheerful giver. And so what we do is we provide boxes in the back and there's one out in the foyer. So be obedient to God, be obedient to that and do that. But we don't pass an offering plate here and we never will. Uh, unless it gets really bad, then we'll probably pass two at a time. So anyway, I'm just kidding. We won't, we'll just pass one. But anyway, uh, I do want to thank you guys for, uh, I want to thank you guys for being here. Hey, listen, I want to go ahead real quick. I just want to take a real short, you know, two or three minutes. And I want to, if you're new here or if you have missed a couple Sundays because of that stinking flu, uh, I, want to, I want to recap for you where we are. We're in the book of Ezra. All right, we're in the book of Ezra and we are going through the book of Ezra and we're talking about beginning again. All right, now the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah are actually one book. They separated them into two because of the topics, but they're actually one book. And the book of Ezra talks about rebuilding the temple. All right, the people have gone into captivity 70 years. At the end of 70 years, the, the uh, Babylonians have been defeated by the Persians, and the Persians have, have actually, their, their king was King Cyrus, and King Cyrus was a guy who was a pagan king, but God chose him to allow the people of Israel to go back and rebuild the temple. So a segment of the people went back to rebuild the temple. And so we looked at that in chapter 1, how they were able to take the stuff from the, uh, from the temple. They were able to take their neighbors, gave them money, uh, and they actually made the trek back. It was about a four-month trek back to, uh, back to where the temple uh, foundation was in Jerusalem. And so they got back there. Uh, and the scripture says, and we looked at this, they, they got back there and they, they went and they settled where their old homes were, all right? And they, or they settled new homes. Some of them settled new homes. And then they all came together and they brought timber up uh, from Lebanon, which is where uh, the original temple's tim- timber was from. And they laid the foundation of the temple. And the scripture says that some people worshiped God in that, and some people, the older people, they cried and wailed loudly because it wasn't as great as the first temple. All right? Well, the first temple, I've told you guys this, the first temple would have cost $8 billion to build, okay, if you build it in today's dollars, $8 billion. And so we know that there's, there, was a, there was a prophet that said, hey, don't you guys complain about this new temple. It's what God wants. And so once that was said, Everything was great, right? So they started building the temple, and then they faced opposition. And you know what they did when they faced opposition? They quit. And I talked to you guys a couple weeks ago about how oftentimes when we face opposition, we quit. We quit. The series is called Begin Again because I want you to look within yourself 
and think of that one thing, that one thing that maybe you have tried to overcome by yourself and failed. That one sin that you just can't kick, that one secret sin that you can't kick, that one relationship that is still damaged, that, and I could go on and on and on. What is that one thing? See, for the Israelites, it was the fact that the temple was in ruins. And God called them back to begin again. And that's what I think he's calling us to do too, all right? So, when last we left off, they had started building the temple again. And we started chapter 5 with this. At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of, of, of the God of Israel who was over them. Zerubbabel, now when you hear the word Zerubbabel, you think of construction guy, all right? He's the guy, is the construction guy, all right? He'd be, he'd be the, the Philip Shelnut, all right, of the deal, all right? He's, he's going to be, um, Jeremy is a construction guy too. He can play worship too, but he's also a big time construction guy, all right? Uh, son of Shetel and Jeshua, all right? Now, Jeshua is the spiritual guy. Now, he's helping out too, but he's probably just carrying the lumber. He's not putting it up, all right? And that would be me. All right, that's me in the, in the premises. All right, anyone who's ever worked with me knows I'm a great grunt, but pretty much it. Okay, pretty much it. And so those two people responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, and they helped them. And so you've got these prophets that are with them that are helping them. And then it says this, But Tetanai, governor of the province of west of the Euphrates River, and now y'all, Shetharbozinia, that's how you say that, and that's a long word, all right? If you had a lisp, that would be really bad. <laughs> Can you imagine? I had a lisp when I was growing up, so I'd have said, Thithar Bothenia. That's what I'd have said. Um, and their colleagues soon arrived in Jerusalem and asked, who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore the structure? They also asked for all the names of the men of the temple, but because their God was watching over them, the leaders of the Jews were not prevented from building until a report was sent to Darius, and he returned his decision. So here's what's going on. So they've started building the temple again. You've got these people that have come and rallied around them and said, hey, listen, I don't care what kind of opposition you're going through. I don't care what kind of, uh, of stuff that's coming against you. You have to start again. It's because this is what God wants you to do. Don't listen to those old people who saw the other temple. Don't listen to that. And don't listen to all these people that are coming against you. You've got to rebuild the temple again. And then all of a sudden, someone from high up in the government comes and says, hey, who told you you could build this temple? Oh, and by the way, I want the name of every person who's working. That's what I want. I want the name of every person working, and I want to know who told you to build this temple. And they're like, isn't that how we are? Listen, I want you guys to imagine this. These people have traveled from their original homes. Now, a lot of these people, it was their original homes that they were in in Babylon because it was 70 years, so they were a new generation. God called them out to do this, and they're going, oh, my gosh, he, he's called us to do this, and all we have done is faced opposition after opposition after opposition. And you know they've got to be thinking, hey, God, we're trying to do something good for you here. Can you give us a break? Can we not have a little bit of a break here? 
And not only that, this guy's from high up. And these people don't play around here, God. They want the names of the people. They want the name. When I was a teacher and a kid, there'd be some kind of disruption. Like I'd be over the, the, the hall or I'd be saying, so I'd see some kids do some stuff. I'd go up to them and I'd say, hey, I want the names of every one of y'all. Give them to me. You know why? Because we were going to drop the hammer. That's why. And that's exactly why they wanted it too. They were going to drop the hammer. They were like, uh-uh, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. What does that tell us? What can we learn about this, y'all? What does it tell us about your own life? And what does it tell us when you begin again? What does it tell you? Here's what it tells you. Here's the first point I want you to know today. And Lynn will bring it up on the screen. Realize that the journey, if you're going to begin again, you have to realize that the journey is not always a pretty one, but it's worth it. Are you with me? It's not always a pretty one, but it's worth it. A long time ago, I did a message where I talked about how we see things going when we decide to do something different with our lives. Maybe you decide to mend a relationship. Maybe you decide that you're no longer going to be mad at that coworker. Maybe you decide that you're going to call that honor uncle who's, who, who's annoying you and you guys had a fallen out. Maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's a brother or a sister. I'm not sure who it is, but when you decide you're going to make a major change in your life, or maybe you decided you're going to start reading the text of the scripture more and you're going to take it seriously in your life. Maybe you decided you're going to pray more. When you do that, in your mind, when you're starting out, here's what you think. Okay, I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to read the scriptures and I'm going to understand everything it says and my day is just going to go so well. And then tomorrow, after growing so much the day before, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read the scripture and it's going to go so well. And I know that every day, and that may happen for a couple of days, but every day I get up and read the scripture and it's going to go so well. It's just going to fly. And my whole spiritual life, I'm literally going to grow wings and a halo. And I will float through the earth, blessing everyone with pixie dust. I mean, that's the way we look at it. Can I tell you guys something? That's a lie. That's not how it happens. Do you know why it's not how it happens? It's not because God doesn't want that to happen for us. You know why it happens? It doesn't happen that way because we have an enemy whose sole purpose it is is to kill and steal and destroy. You have an enemy whose whole purpose it is is to make your life miserable. And what he loves doing is he loves taking those old tapes. I've shared this with you guys before. I was a connoisseur of radios and stereos. And my 1989 Celica, don't hate, it was baby blue too. I had a big stereo system. I had a blog punk stereo system with cassettes. And I loved that thing. And I would put that sucker in and that tape would jam and I'd be sitting there just jamming on down the road, all right? Can I tell you guys something? That went out of style a long time ago. It really did. As a matter of fact, if you got in my car today and I said, hey, what cassette tape would you like to listen to? You'd be like, uh, is this eight track or is this, you know what I mean? That's out of style a long time ago. But can I tell you something? The devil will take your old cassettes, your old failures, your old stuff, and he will put those in that old cassette player and he will play it over and over and over and over in your mind. He'll do that over and over and over in your mind. Why is that? Well, because he's the enemy. He's the enemy, and his whole goal, have you ever noticed this? This is crazy. Have you ever noticed that if you're doing the wrong thing, the devil never messes with you? You ever notice that? But the minute you decide to do the right thing, here he comes. I've noticed that in my own life. I've noticed that. I promise you, I can decide in my own life 
that I am going to stop yelling at people and getting frustrated when I drive. Listen, I can't help it that I'm the only perfect driver in Georgia. All right? All right? Maybe a couple of you guys are, but I've seen a couple of y'all drive, so a couple of you are not. But I can't help it that I'm the only perfect driver. You know what I'm saying? I'm the only one that uses my blinker. I'm the only one that stops at stop signs fully after I got a ticket. I'm the only one that does that. You know, right? That's true. We all do that. And so I can't help that. But I've noticed this. When I decide I'm going to make, make, make a change, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to, listen, I can be listening to J93.3 and listen to a sermon at the same time. All right? And all of a sudden, someone will pull out in front of me, throw on the brakes, want to look back and point a finger at me. And I'm sitting there going, this hasn't happened until I decided to be a better godly driver. And now all of a sudden, look where we are. What does that tell you? I'll tell you what it tells you. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. And your, your journey is not going to be a pretty one. I promise you that. If it is a pretty one, I can tell you this. You're not living a real life. You're not. Because real life is this. Real life is, is there's a tug and a pull and a, you make a little bit of headway and then you go back a little bit and then you go forward a little bit and then God teaches you something and shows you something and you make progress here and progress there and sometimes you want to quit and sometimes you may, you may quit but then you come back at it and you rejoin it again and you begin again and again and you go over and over and that's kind of how it is until one day you wake up and you're like, wow, after this journey, after this five-year journey, I'm a different person. God has changed me because I am a different person, and that's how it looks. You know, I'm not a huge fan, and please don't get mad at me if you are, because everybody can watch what they want to watch. I'm not a huge fan of Christian movies, okay? They're okay. They're okay. Not only is the acting kind of bad, but, but the Christian movies, the every, I don't like it. Here's what I don't like about Christian movies. They always seem to tie everything up in a nice little red bow, okay? Everything in the end always seems to work out. Can I tell you guys something? That's not how it is in my life. And I, don't, I think we're doing a disservice by not letting people know the reality of stuff. Hey, listen, the, I'm going to tell you this. The marriages don't always work out, all right? And as a pastor and as a church, we have to come alongside of people and walk them through those difficult situations, all right? The football team doesn't always win, as we saw in the championship game with Georgia and, uh, and Alabama. Go Vols. Anyway, so they don't always win. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I want to be a more realistic person because the truth is, is that the journey isn't always, it all, isn't always pretty, but it's worth it. And here's the second thing. Speaking of, of football, we need to surround ourselves, you guys, with cheerleaders. That's what they did in the scripture. Ezra, Ezra had these, these uh, prophets that came. Imagine this. These prophets came, and they were hanging around. These prophets didn't come and say, hey, I'm going to send this letter to you guys, and you guys be encouraged. They came there with them, and they were there with them helping them. Why is that? Well, because we have to surround ourselves with spiritual cheerleaders. I played football in high school. Senior year, 1988, all right, mid-August. I had broken my hand and had surgery, and I played with a cast on my hand, all right? Offensive tackle, all right? I was tough. I wasn't tough, but I thought I was tough. So senior year, we're playing the Jackson Central Mary Cougars. We hated the Cougars, and they hated us. Crosstown rivals. We go, and we are in our, we are in our field house. Now, this was a big, huge deal for us because there would be five, six, seven thousand people that would come to this game. And we knew that. We could hear the people pounding on the field house door, like that right there outside. 
And, and they, were, they were cheering, let's go, Indians. That's what they were doing. And, man, I was getting so fired up. I was sitting there just fired up. And all of a sudden, they opened the door, and they were lined with cheerleaders and fans, and everybody's going, yeah. And we went up. We lost. But anyway, <laughs> we should have won. Doggone it. We lost 12-7. Not that I care. Anyway, but, but it was so, we were so hyped up, and we ran out of that tunnel. Can I tell you guys something? If, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you've played football, the games are great, but, man, running out on that field is something else. It's something else. Why is that? Because you got cheerleaders. you got people that are going, you can do it. you got this. You can do this. Listen, that's what we need in our spiritual life. That's what we need in our spiritual life. We need people that are cheerleaders for us. And I'm not talking about people that are just going to say, whenever you're stuck in a sin, they're going to say, oh, you're fine. You know, No, I'm talking about spiritual cheerleaders that can push you forward and that can push you toward holiness, whose lives themselves are characterized by holiness. They can push you forward and push you toward holiness. That's what we need in our life, and that's exactly what these people had. So yeah, these members of this, this high-up government people came and said, hey, who told you you could do this? But at the same time, they had these prophets going, no, God says that he wants you to build this temple. And he says that you got this. He says that he has already given you provision. He says that he's going to come through for you in this time. He says that you can do this. And we all need that in our lives. Let me ask you a question. As you sit here today, who is your spiritual cheerleader? Who's your spiritual cheerleader? Can I tell you something? That's one of the jobs of me as a pastor, is to be your spiritual cheerleader. That's one of the jobs of Lynn, and and I could go right down the line, of Gwen and Jeremy and Connor, and we're here to be your spiritual cheerleaders. We're here to encourage you that you can do more with God than you ever thought imaginable, that you can have a great marriage, that your kids can grow up and go in the right way, that, that, you, can, that you can do things with your finances, that you can uh, live a life that's pleasing to God and honorable in a world that's not. And that's what our role is. You know, it's amazing. In the first two chapters, it says Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews in Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of God of Israel who was over them. It says they prophesied and kept saying, you got this. You got this. You can do this. This is not too big for you. God has called you to do this. Here's the third thing that I believe that this text teaches us, all right? The third thing is this. We need not grow tired of doing what is right. We need to not grow tired of doing what is right. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and I think we have it up there. Galatians 6, 9 says, says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And here's the cool part, and don't forget this part for the next point. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? If we don't give up. If we don't give up, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not grow weary of doing the right thing. How many of you guys will honestly say you've grown tired of doing the right thing sometimes? I have. I have grown tired sometimes of doing the right thing because sometimes it seems like to me that when I'm doing the right thing, I'm not getting ahead, but other people are doing the wrong thing, and they seem to be getting ahead. 
They seem to be getting the better stuff. That's one of the dangers, you guys, of our children, our student ministry here. With all these students and these, these kids, a lot of times they see people doing the wrong thing, like going out, drinking, smoking pot, whatever, and they, they think, well, gosh, man, they're popular. They've got all these things going on for them. They're getting ahead in life. See, what they don't see is, is they don't see, they don't see, and I see it now because of Facebook, but they don't see the consequences of that lifestyle that manifests itself when it's 21, 22, 23, 25, 30, 35. They don't see the broken homes and the broken marriages. They don't see the rehab business. They don't see all those things. All they see is, is right now in my world at 15 or 16 or 17, doing the wrong thing seems to be the cool thing to do. And doing the right thing you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here getting lambasted for it. I'm going to encourage you teenagers, don't grow tired of doing the right thing. Do not grow tired of doing the right thing. Because in, in, the scripture says this, and when God promises something, he means it. In the end, you will reap a harvest if you continue to do the right thing and to follow what God wants you to do. And that's exactly what they were telling them here in building the temple. Don't grow tired of doing the right thing. Even though it seems like everybody around you has got the upper hand, don't grow tired of doing the, doing the right thing. I promise you, you will reap a harvest. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story, a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine who, uh, he and his wife got themselves into debt, all right? And I, I know you guys have probably, some of you may have experienced this as well. But you guys, man, whenever you, whenever you start making those decisions and that debt begins to pile up, it's almost like you, you wake up overnight and you've got this massive amount of debt that you're looking at. And, and you, you look around and go, gosh, man, what do we have to show for this? And a lot of times it's nothing. It's just little stuff here and there, and it adds up here and there, and then this happens, and that happens, and this happens, and that happens, and this happens, and all of a sudden you find yourself in heavy debt. And it's difficult a lot of times. As a matter of fact, a lot of times people will just say, well, you just need to file bankruptcy. All right, just, just get it out of the way and, and, and do that, all right? These people, these friends of mine, and sometimes that may be appropriate, but these people that I'm talking about, they said, no, we're not going to do that. We have the debt. We, uh, we, we did it. We take ownership of it, and we're going to pay it off one way or the other. And so what they did is, is they decided to humble themselves. They said, listen, we're having problems doing this. Let's humble ourselves and go get some help. And so that's what they did. They went, and they got some help with this massive, uh, with this massive debt. And through that, they are learning, even right now in the middle, they are learning uh, the proper ways to handle those things, and they're learning and they're growing from that. And here's the cool part. This is so cool. This is so cool. In the last year, they've paid off $10,000 in debt. $10,000 in debt in a year. That's impressive. And they told me I could say who they were, and Kip and Bonnie, I am proud of y'all. I am so proud of your commitment. I am proud of you, you um, doing the right thing even when it's very difficult. And let me tell you guys something. I've, I've walked through some of this with them. They've had more sick kids and doctor's appointments and car problems. And I mean, here, there, you know, I'm telling you, the enemy, he's going to start throwing all kinds of stuff. I just want to let you guys know, if you decide to get out of debt, your transmission's going out. All right, that's just, go ahead. I'm just letting you know it's going to happen. If you decide to get out of debt, the you might as well go ahead and put back a couple thousand for the transmission first because it's gone because that's how it is. Why? Well, because the enemy. The enemy. The enemy was, 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 is right there. He went, no, you can't do this. This is going to be too difficult. And it has been difficult. Lifestyle changes. 
Decisions not to do this or do that. It's been difficult. It's difficult to tell someone, hey, listen, we don't want to go out to dinner tonight because we just can't afford it. That's embarrassing to some people. It's embarrassing. It's difficult sometimes. But guess what? If you do not grow tired, you will reap a harvest. And that's my fourth point. God will see your deeds and he will bless you. God will see your deeds and he will bless you for it. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says this. I think we have that up here. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. He will not forget how hard that you've worked for him. He's not going to let that pass you by. He will not forget that. And if you will continue to do the right thing, God will show up just at the right time and show out. So here's the cool part of the story, all right? So we read the first part how they said, hey, listen, who told you you could do this? Who is it that told you you could do this? Who told you you could build this temple? And the spiritual people are going, nope, don't give up. Don't quit again. Do not quit this again. You got this. Who told you you could do this? Who told you? I'll tell you what. This is what he said. I'll tell you what. You guys can keep building some, but I'm writing a letter to the king, King Darius. And so the whole chapter 5 is the letter. And so he says this. I'm writing a letter to King Darius. And he did. It's written right in the text. He wrote the letter and said, hey, listen, we've got these people that are building this temple. And we need you to go back and look. We need you to go back in the archives and look and see if King Cyrus really said for them to do this. Because we don't think it is. We don't think it's legit. We want them to stop. Sure enough, what did King Darius do? He goes into the archives and he sees the recorded history where King Cyrus said, yes, I do want you to do this. And this is the coolest part ever. Ezra chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this. Ezra chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this. King Darius, this is from King Darius to, to the, the leader, the government leader. He says, do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be built on its original site and do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Okay, so that's good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, God. You said that you would not forget us. Oh, no, no, but God didn't just say that, did he? He said something else. He said, if you do not grow tired of doing, doing the right thing, I will bless you. So get this. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. But he's not done. You must pay the full construction cost without delay from my taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. Did you see that? Darius said this. He said, hey, listen, not only, not only are you not to mess with these people, I want you to get your people and you, and I want you guys to go and help them do the work. Oh, and by the way, I want you to take taxes that you've collected and pay for the temple. I want you to pay for it. I don't just want you to say, yeah, go ahead, y'all build it. 
I want you to work with them. And I don't just want you to work with them, you're footing the bill. This is the cool part about this. On over in chapter six, it says this. Darius said, and if you don't do this, if you don't let them do it, if you don't help them, and if you don't pay for it, we are going to go in your home, take one of the huge logs holding up your home, we are going to tie you to that, and we're going to beat you to death. That's what he says. You can read it. And then we're going to destroy your house so your family has nowhere to stay. Wow. Wow. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? What does that show you about God? Let me, show it, let me tell you what it shows you. One, it shows you he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And two, it shows you that you can trust him. If you follow his word, you can trust him. And he will, he will allow you to begin again. He will allow it. And that is the message that I think God has for you today. Let me pray for you. Lord, your word is simply amazing in the way that it is ageless. It is, it is a constant reminder to us that the life, our lives change, um, the society changes, but you never change. And God, those universal truths that you set out in your word are true today, just like they were over 3,000 years ago. They're true. So we don't have to wonder where to get our truth from. We don't have to wonder where we uh, search out for answers. It's right there in the text of the scripture awaiting for us to embrace it, engage with it, and to live our lives through it. And so God, that's my prayer today. My prayer is if there's people who need to plug into this church, I pray that you let them come, from, come forward. My prayer is, is if there's people that need prayer, you let them come forward. My prayer is, is that they won't leave here the same way they walked in, but they'll leave here changed from the inside out. God, I'm so thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the fact that you use this mechanism to spread your word to the whole world. Let us be people that trust you enough not to grow weary of doing the right thing because we know in the end, in the end, you will show up and you'll show out just like you did for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, I don't know where you are with God. I can tell you this. I can tell you that you don't want to leave here the same way you walked in, all right? If you walked in here carrying burdens, if you walked in here with a heavy load, if you walked in here with major problems, listen, I want to tell you something. I will tell you this. We will pray for you down here. I want to tell you this. I want to be honest with you. Your journey may be a tough one, but we promise to walk beside you in it, all right? Your journey may be tough, but we'll walk beside you in it, all right? We'll be here with you. We'll be here to be your cheerleader. If there's things that you're like, you know what, I just really want to change this about myself. I want to change this in my life. Hey, can I tell you something? I'll be your biggest cheerleader, all right? I'll cheer you on. I'll text you, call you. Hey, how are you doing? You'll probably, I'll probably get on your nerves if you don't know the truth about it. And so will all the other people in here, all right? We're family. That's why we say welcome home. Welcome home. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you don't have a, have a church home. If you don't have a church home, come down front. We'll talk to you. We'll hang out with you. We'll get you, we'll get you signed up with us, okay? 
We promise we don't bite too hard, all right? Let's stand up and let's worship. Don't stay there in your pew if you've got something on your heart. Come down front. Let me pray for you. Let Connor pray for you. Let's stand up and let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.